News. 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 New York City. F-A-Q. Welcome to FAQ NYC. I'm Alex Brooklyn. I'm here with Harry Siegel and Professor Christina Greer. Happy Halloween! We have a really interesting episode for you today. First, we're going to hang out with City Council Speaker Corey Johnson. Not only are we going to hang out with him, we are going to sing songs with him and kind of mildly freak him out a little bit. <laughs> then, I went to South Brooklyn to interview Andrew Gonardes. He's going up against Marty Golden, who's been the state senator there since 2003. Andrew's looking to bring the district back to the Democratic Party. We chatted about bagels, pizza, how he grew up, and what he plans to do in the state legislature. Then we have the FAQ, everything else you need to know this Halloween. FAQ. We are sitting here with City Council Speaker Corey Johnson. Corey Corey Johnson. And we're going to ask him about some Halloween stuff. And to sing a few songs. I don't want to grow up. Everybody hates to eat and run. Whatever it is, I think I see. Becomes a tootsie roll to me. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. So who are you dressing up as for Halloween, and what's going to happen on Election Day? Real quick. Oh, my God. Real quick. I- I'm not dressing up for uh, Halloween, uh, but I did post on Twitter my my previous incarnations in drag. My drag name was <laughs> I did see them. Carla Zeta-Jones, Catherine's husky-busty lesbian <laughs> sister. So if people want to check that out, it's on my Instagram and on my Twitter. And Election Day predictions, I'm predicting 40-plus seats for the Democrats in the House, a five-seat pickup in the state Senate, a loss of two seats in the United States Senate, and a bunch of governorships. Andrew Gillum's going to win, and I think Democrats are going to have a pretty good night across the board. The two most, I think, exciting races across the country are the Georgia and Florida governor's races with Andrew Gillum and Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. Here in New York, which five seats? Uh, I think that Jim Gorin is going to beat uh, Carl Marcelino. I think that uh, James Scoofus is going to win the Larkin seat. I think Andrew Gernardis will beat Marty Golden. I think Monica Martinez will take take one of the open seats uh, on Long Island. And I think there'll be an upset seat in the Hudson Valley or around Syracuse uh, that we'll see. So I think we're going to see five pickups. And I think John Brooks will win on Long Island. So I think it's going to be a big, big night for the Democrats. And then I predict that there'll be some Republicans after this happens who will potentially come over to the Democratic Party when the majority's that big. So what do you think about the ballot initiative uh, about term limits on on community boards that we'll see on November 6th? Uh, I oppo- when we flip over our ballot. Yes, flip, flip the ballot. O- flip the ballot over and you'll see three proposals three from proposals. the Charter Commission. I support proposal one on campaign finance limits. I support proposal two on civic engagement. So yes on one, yes on two, in my opinion, and no on three. And no on three is because I think that these positions uh, are not lifetime appointments. The council member or the borough president, if they don't think someone's doing a good job, they don't have to reappoint them uh, in two years. My theory when I'm talking about you, Mr. Speaker, is about to be Mr. Singer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm Lord. scared of this. Dad jokes. What are some of your favorite songs about Halloween candy? Or just candy in general? Well, I do love the Kit Kat song. 
I mean, that's a, <laughs> serious because I'm a big Kit Kat fan. I love a good frozen Kit Kat. A uh, frozen you Kit put Kat. It, put, it, put it in the freezer and freeze that Kit Kat. So I love that. Um, I my friend just day. came back from Japan and brought wasabi Kit Kats. Mm. Nope, no thank you. No, but they are good. It's <laughs> weird. It's one of those things. It's weird, but it's good. Yeah. I remember in London they had orange Kit Kat, and I was really? just, I was not a fan. I like my orange candy Kit nice Kat. and nice and pure. So I'm gonna go around the room and ask everybody what their favorite candy song is. Christina, what was your favorite candy song? Well, for those of you who listened to the podcast last week, you know that it's the Tootsie Roll song. I love that song. <laughs> and Corey, you already said yours was the Kit the Kat, Kit Kat song. song. Harry, what was yours? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> My God, Harry, Harry. For why? those of you who don't know, I didn't what, understand that. What Harry. was happening there? That was the Twix song, which also. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Which closely resembles the Ferris Bueller's yeah. Day Off. Right. Um, my favorite, actually, as I was a kid, was the Alka Seltzer song, like about Most indigestion. Candy. Is that a candy song? It's not a candy song, but <laughs> if you I... eat too much candy, it is. So we have with us Tomoko Shimizu and her baby Coco. Tomoko plays a little piano. We asked Corey to sing. Um, it's time. Oh, God, get ready. This also, is going to be bad. Tomoko literally came last minute. She talked to Harry this morning. Oh, my she God. She has learned these songs in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to do some Kit Kat songs with what is turning out to be a, like a superhuman that has come <laughs> over today. We're all singing together. It's like a, it's like a FAQ NYC sing-along. Why oh, don't... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our musical episode. Why don't we do one round? Hashtag dad jokes. <laughs> Hashtag we're booting Harry out of here. <laughs> Why don't we just do one round where it's just you? Oh and my then god, we'll just all me. join in. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Kit Kats are real good. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's great. Tootsie. All right, so what should we, what should we move on to next? Well, since you and I sang the Tootsie Roll song, I don't know if we need to reprise it, unless you'd like to sing the Tootsie Roll I think song. we definitely need to. Come to me. All right, shall Whatever we? Whatever it is, I think I see becomes a tootsie roll to me. Tootsie right, roll from the top. Okay. Uh, mighty good to me with tootsie rolls are all I see. Whatever it is, I think I see becomes a tootsie roll to me. Tootsie roll popping up your chocolatey chew. Tootsie roll, I think I'm in love with you. Whatever it is, I think I see becomes a tootsie roll to me. So, so for the people who can't see us, I wish there was like a live video feed of this. Harry left the room when we sang the tootsie roll song. He's boycotting, and, I guess. And 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 Alex and Christina were doing like jazz hands. <laughs> While we were singing the tutorial roll song. <laughs> All right, so the next song we're going to go into, what's the next song we've got that you want to do? The Alka-Seltzer one? Yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. It really, Alex? <laughs> I don't think I know. <laughs> <Sorry>. What do you want? <laughs> 
Get yourself some Alka-Seltzer and you'll feel better fast. It's got that like Clinton horn in the background, that kind of like jazzy Animaniac Saturday morning. Well, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the guy from Toy Story. Which guy? Yeah. The, the yeah. cowboy from Toy no, it, Story. It does. It's the, the Newman song. Yeah. yeah, you got a friend. It's very similar. Good call. Everybody has to eat and run. They'd rather take it slow. But the way this life is going, you've got to grab your food and go. All that running round catches up to you at last. Get yourself some Alka-Seltzer and you'll feel better fast. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. <laughs> All right, Harry, what's next? I just caught the hook. All right, so why don't we make an introduction to what Backwards. a secret special thing that Harry has in store for our listeners and Corey Johnson. It's a new thing I don't think anyone else has seen, which is a special program to, uh, well, Harry, I'm going to let you explain what it is. So real quick, every year there's a little masquerade where the politicians perform for the, uh, the press and everyone reverses roles and some people love it and other people say, what is this access stuff? That's where Rudy dressed up in drag and uh, made out with Donald Trump. So, so that footage has circulated a lot. We have the program from that year and because of the, uh, the pseudo code of silence, that's never been out there. We have all the song lyrics. We'll be sharing this on the interweb. But in the meantime, we're gonna sing part of the city council term limit spoof songs. This happened right when council members first thought they were term limited. Right, it was the Rudy Hillary year. So it was 2000. 2000. 2000. So the council speaker song, that was the Bo- uh, Backstreet Boys song. I want it that, that way. Yeah, that's, that's what I we're love hitting. That song. Right, right. Tell me why it ain't nothing but a heartache. We're recording. Tell right? me why it yeah, yeah, yeah. ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why. I never want to hear you say, I want it that way. So why don't we do the first verse of the council speaker song? Well, yeah. Because who, that's what it who is. Who wants it that way? <laughs> cut, cut off myself. Pause. Myself. Okay, got it. Right. My staff got sent home. Right. Now I'm a sad sack. I want my job back. Tell me why they're ditching John Sabini. Tell me why Pink and Agna Benny. Tell me why Stan Michaels has got to go. Who wants it that way? By the way, three of those people are, God rest their souls, deceased, Mary Pinkett, Tom Ognebeni, and Stanley Michaels. John Sabini is still alive. Mm-hmm. My try for Senate, but when forget for it, call me an old hack. I want my job back. Tell me why they're ditching Walt McCaffrey. Tell me why Eldridge and poor Lloyd Henry. Tell me why June Iceland has got to go. Who wants it that way? Who wants it that way? Walter McCaffrey, no longer with us. 
June Iceland alive, Ronnie Eldridge alive, Lloyd Henry not alive. But Jimmy Breslin now passed on. Yes, and they just did a street renaming. In Finally, they, they did a temporary street renaming, yeah. and then they did the full street renaming. Uh, well, just on you brought up Jimmy Breslin because he was married to Ronnie Eldridge. Right, right. The histories of these street namings in the old council records are like uh, these wonderful Catholic folk histories of the people and like their heroic, miraculous lives. They're incredible. Somebody should compile them. La Vida Loca. Yes. All right. So the other song on this is. I didn't know what I was getting interest. myself into this morning. Uh, when you woke up this morning, you thought, hey, I'm Speaker of City Council. I'm a smart guy. Let me go do this little podcast. And then dot, dot, dot. Right, how does Living Living <coughs> go? I don't even know. I mean, I remember from when I was a child. Ricky Martin. Da, da, da. Harry was just <laughs> dancing like Elaine and Seinfeld. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like electric bolts shoot through his body and he just like snaps out loud. I'm it's sh- okay, Harry. I support you. I'm As sh- my grandmother would say, it looks like you're fighting a <laughs> I'm schwitzing. I know this from I know this from personal experience. When you're a chain smoker for 24 years, shit gets real weird your first few days yeah. without. Look, jail the homeless now, giving a Rudy Loca. Hill don't have a cow, giving a Rudy Loca. <laughs> Who's the best? Okay. Who's the pig in a poker? No. <laughs> it's such a visual joke. Yeah. How about we let oh Harry sing God. it? Honestly, normally it's not this. <laughs> I think we were Is just, it? we were so excited about <laughs> piano. So Sing. we got a piano. Yeah. We were like, we need a baby. We need a piano. Right. We need to get donuts. There's fancy. a pony that's gonna come through oh at the very God. end. We need bourgeois donuts. <laughs> And we got them all here. You got your iced coffee in the refrigerator. <laughs> all right. Oh. F-A-Q. So is the, the mayor is always a personality corrective to the previous mayor, uh, with very rare exceptions. And, and if I, there's someone in the room who might run for mayor, possibly Chrissy, possibly Corey, who knows? <laughs> right. Definitely Because when you think of the mayor of New York City, you think of Chrissy Greer. Are you offering a contrast? In some sense... Politically, as you're looking forward and everyone is limited and looking at a next seat, and we all actually understand this, and you, you've got just two years left, right? Like, time goes fast. Uh, I have three years left, thank God. Uh, <laughs> but, but, what, uh. but um, you know, I, I don't say this in a in a evasive, weird way. I worked so hard to become speaker, and it was such a long, arduous slogging campaign that when I became speaker, uh, there's nothing that really prepared you for it. And I wanted to do a really good job. So I'm 10 months into the speakership and I haven't fundraised for a future office. So I haven't been out raising money for any future office. And so for me, I want to focus on the job that's right in front of me. I think if you do that, it opens up other possibilities in the future. If you do, if you do a good job in the job uh, that you're in, you know, I, Part of, I think, I don't know if it's in the spirit of LGBT activism. I don't know if it's in the spirit of of ACT UP uh, and those heroes that allowed me to be living this life as an openly gay, openly HIV positive man at 36 years old who's Speaker of the City Council. But I think even during those dark, dangerous, horrible, scary times in the 1980s and 1990s when people were dying, there was also this level of... Um, activism and personality and fun that was associated with the work that they did. And so for me, I think that it's really important to 
have a good time and to hopefully be a cheerleader for New York. It's the best city in the world, in my opinion. Uh, we have the best food. We have the best people. 40% of the people who live here were born in another country. I came here at 19 years old. And I think I really want to be a cheerleader for the city that I fell in love with as a teenager. And I've continued to make my home. And, you know, in these in these trying times, it's important to... Uh, even as difficult to stay positive and authentically effervescent on a daily <laughs> basis to hopefully give other people some hope and help them smile. What changes in New York for you over the next two years if uh, you know you have this big tipping point and Republicans coming over to the Democrats in the state Senate? And well, I think if the if Andrea Stewart Cousins looks like she's going to be majority leader uh, after Tuesday night, I think there's going to be a big state agenda that hopefully will move forward on voting rights reform. New York has some of the worst voting laws in the entire country. Criminal justice reform, whether that's speedy trial, discovery reform, getting rid of cash bail, uh, rent regulations are up for renewal uh, in June to strengthen the rent laws. So I think there's going to be there's an environmental uh, justice campaign on green jobs and infrastructure that needs to happen. So there's going to be a huge opportunity for, even though I'm a New Yorker, uh, for us to do a little bit more like California, where they've had a Democratic legislature and a Democratic governor under Governor Jerry Brown to actually get uh, progressive things done in a leading way. And I think we can do that if we have a unified progressive Democratic Senate, a huge majority in the Assembly, and uh, Governor Cuomo, who I think is going to want to have some progressive of Democratic bona fides moving forward uh, for uh, national exposure. So I think it's going to be a very, very, very big opportunity. Just for some of our listeners that don't exactly know why voting in New York is so screwed up, do you think you three could give a real in brief uh, about why voting in New York is real screwed up? Okay, so you're going to go to the professor who's not known to be brief. Um, I think, unfortunately, you know, we have draconian voter laws where you look at someplace like Georgia or, you know, Texas, and they're way more progressive than we are. We don't have early voting. We don't have same-day registration. We make our absentee ballot system so arduous. Mm -hmm. Most people can't seem to figure it out. And so we actually don't invite people in in a very easy manner to register. It seems as though lots of people are still also confused as to how the Board of Elections is functioning because oftentimes they think they're registered and they're not. So when you look at us compared to the 50 states, we're in, I think, sort of the bottom third. So I think we also have to ask ourselves, what is it about our elected officials who don't want us to actually be so participatory in a lot of ways? And unfortunately, we are seeing a moment where people want to get involved and they're realizing that it's incredibly difficult to do so. So if you want to participate on November 6th, you would have had to register, you know, over a month ago. Well, October 12th was when you wanted to do it. And so a lot of states have it such that if you want to participate on November 6th, you can participate on November 6th. Yeah, you know, one of the things, the big thing that's happening across the country for ballot referendum uh, that looks like are leading by huge margins, Michigan is one state where it's about to happen, which is a very, very gerrymandered state, is they put on the ballot something called AVR, which is automatic voter registration, where voters get automatically registered so you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole 
control of getting registered and getting matched and the issues we've seen in other states across the country. That's a big deal. New York needs to institute AVR. As uh, the professor said, uh, we are going to need to do no, ex- no, no excuse absentee voting, early voting. You're looking all across the country in Nevada and Florida and Georgia and Tennessee and other places where there are early voting sites where people can go a week or two weeks early and cast their ballot uh, at a at a a voting location. We don't have that in New York. So I actually think it has to be one of the top things that gets done if the Democrats take the state Senate back. And I think it will be. We also went to uh, South Brooklyn to talk with Andrew Gennardes about his race with Marty Golden. So far, Marty has not responded to calls for an interview. Um, a lot of people from outside in different parts of the city, including this district in the West Village, they seem to be going out there to canvas for him. Have you been out to South Brooklyn at all? Yeah, I've gone out, and uh, we've been uh, organizing people to go out nearly every single weekend. I think one of the lucky things for Andrew Gennardes is that it's really the only competitive state Senate seat in the city after the IDC uh, IDC members were defeated. So I went out door knocking, and I think that you're going to see a big change in that district. Just like most of the district, it is insanely gerrymandered when you look at the lines of it, and there's still some pretty conservative parts from uh, Marine Park to Garrison Beach to Bergen Beach, but the population explosion in Bay Ridge, I think, uh, is very significant and you've seen changing demographics there. Before Marty Golden took that seat in 2002, the previous occupant was Vinnie Gentile, who then lost the state Senate seat and then ran for Marty Golden's then vacated city council seat. And so they basically switched (laughs) spots. So it's a seat that had been held by a Democrat uh, before, and the district has become more and more Democratic, though it went through a round of reapportionment uh, when Marty was already incumbent, which made the seat a lot more Republican. But I think you're going to see a big upset there. Uh, on Tuesday night. Andrew Gennardes. Andrew. Andrew. In In Brooklyn. There is a great coffee shop around the corner from here. It's um, called Coco Grinder. It's a guy who lives in Bay Ridge. He's the son of uh, Yemeni immigrants. And he has, I think, five or six locations now across the borough. So what was it like to grow up here? You know, this is a, it's a special place. You know, I, I, I love, I love Southern Brooklyn. I love the fact that our communities are real communities. You know, people know each other. They see each other walking down the street. They say hello. You know, old families, young families, everyone in between. There's really a great sense of uh, bonding in the neighborhood. And uh, it's still relatively affordable compared to other parts of the borough. And we have the best pizza and bagels of anywhere. So, like, why would I leave? Whoa. Why would I go in? Whoa. Here? Relax on the best bagels. Pizza, maybe. We have both. I mean, I lived in D.C. for four years, and um, when I came back, one of the reasons I came back, aside from missing my family, was because I missed my favorite go-to pizza spots and bagel spots. Oh, I left my wallet in your office. I'm sorry. That wasn't a plan. Um, Can I grab uh, just black coffee? I'll do a small coffee also. FAQ came and hustled us for a cup of coffee. (laughs) But what was it like growing up here? Did your grandmother have plastic on the furniture? And she like, did. what kind yeah. of house did you guys have? What kind of family did you got, did you grow up with? So yeah, I grew up in a you know semi-attached house. My my family lived on the top floor. My grandmother lived on the main floor of the house. So we grew up all together. Uh, my grandmother helped raise me. I went to a local parochial school for ten years. I'm, I'm Greek, so I went to the Greek parochial school here in the neighborhood, uh, and then I went to the neighborhood high school afterwards. So are you like Eastern Orthodox? East, yeah, yeah, Eastern Orthodox, right? So that's the one where you guys have to stand up a lot. We do stand up quite a lot. 
Um, but you know what, growing up you get used to it, and uh, I grew up uh, in a fairly religious household. The church, my church, my faith was always really important to me. Uh, it still is. You know, for a long time I actually contemplated joining the priesthood, but then I found the calling uh, in the law and uh, public service instead, so I decided to become a public interest lawyer, uh, which is what I do now. So, Were you always a liberal since you were a kid? Um, yeah, I would say so. I, I'm, you know, my family raised me with the with the values of just taking care of others. Uh, you know, we have this word in Greek. It's called philoxenia. It means love of strangers, and really, it tries to capture the essence that we have an obligation as human beings to our fellow human beings, regardless of who they are or where they come from, when they came here. You know, who they love, what they believe in, uh, what they do, and. My parents instilled that in me at a very early age, and I've just tried to live it out uh, in everything I do, politics or no politics. So you said every day you go out to the subway? Yeah, I go out to greet people at the subways every single day. Uh, I've done the express buses a couple mornings also. Uh, it's a great way to meet voters, residents, uh, and commuters, and especially with the state of our subways and buses today, it's a great way for me to hear from people directly about you know, what frustrations they have about the state of our, our mass transit system. You said that you wanted writers to have a seat at the table and like maybe a representative from each borough. Can you expand on that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, right now the board of the MTA, you know, the governor has his appointments, the mayor has his appointments, uh, the governor has a majority of the seats. But I feel like decisions are being made about the MTA's budget that aren't in the best interest of writers. For example, they just spent how many tens of millions of dollars putting those lights on the Kosciuszko Bridge, you know, that changed colors, pink and purple and blue or they want to replace the tiles in the Midtown Tunnel to be blue and gold. Like Those things are nice, those are cosmetic projects, but when we have a signaling system that's 100 years old and a system that uh, less, where less than a quarter of the stations are handicap accessible, those decisions and those expenditures aren't helping riders. And so I think riders need to have a seat at the table, riders need to be part of the process, and plus that'll help you know, if, if riders are, are being brought into the fold on all of these conversations and decisions, I think riders will be much more understanding about, you know, issues that come up when we have to close down a subway line or we have to do emergency work or we have to do other things because we are part of the conversation and we are part of the decision-making process. So I'd love to see riders get a vote on the board. Uh, one from every borough would be ideal. I think we could do it in a similar way that we do with the um, panel for educational policy, you know, the borough presidents get to appoint one person onto the, onto the mayoral controlled panel for educational policy. That's one way of doing it. We can figure out the best me mechanism, but the important thing is that we have a seat at the table. FAQ. Here's some other stuff going on that you should probably know about. News. 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 In New York City, we have a couple weird things going on in the wake of this week of kind of extreme partisan violence. Right. I mean, we saw the tragedies in Pittsburgh, and a few days before that, we saw two innocent African-Americans being killed in a Kroger grocery store by white supremacists who tried to get into a church. Um, and because he couldn't, he went to the grocery store. Um, we saw pipe bombs being sent to Democratic former elected officials or people who were high up in the Democratic Party or people who just support Democratic politics. So we're seeing this real violence that's erupting and being excavated, I would argue, by the President of the United States and his ilk. That being said, to bring it a little bit more local, then you have New York City politicians who are trying to respond to how do we keep our city safe? You know, Bill de Blasio, I have to admit, has done a really great job of making New York City a safe city, removing stop and frisk, but also, you know, keeping uh, 
his eye on terrorism constantly. Um, but then you have someone like Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President, who many people don't know. Um, you know, Inside Baseball says he might run for public advocate, he might run for mayor, he has some thoughts on doing something beyond being Brooklyn Borough President. And the first time many people were introduced to him is when he says, because he's a former NYPD officer, he says that he's going to bring his gun to his religious institution and he implores um, his other fellow NYPD colleagues to do the same. And I just don't think that that's what New York City residents really want to hear. I could be wrong. Um, email us at FAQ <laughs> if you disagree with me. But, you know, if you carry a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I don't think that the solution to gun violence and widespread, I would argue, domestic terrorism is for everyone to start carrying guns. That's the same ridiculous argument that they say, you know, there's so many school shootings, we should arm teachers. How about we actually think about substantive uh, gun laws and changes that we can make so we can actually protect citizens and make sure that their houses of worship are actually sanctuaries, not a place where, you know, people put down their gun to pick pick up their Bible. Um, I just think it's really misguided, and I really wonder if this will um, limit some of Eric Adams' ambitions before he even starts. Also, then we have uh, John Liu, who's been doing a series of, like, food-eating videos in order to campaign, uh, where he, you know, weighs in on little issues of the day. Unfortunately... And what we've come to realize is probably some sort of misguided <clears throat> attempt to respond quickly to the Pittsburgh massacre. Um, J uh, John Liu, eating a pastrami sandwich, said something to the effect of, in these dark times, we shouldn't point fingers, we should come together. Now, obviously, that's a good sentiment. However, not pointing fingers, eating a pastrami sandwich, responding... Some might have said it was a little bit too flippant to do that on social media while you're doing your regular I just eat sandwiches in my neighborhood kind of Facebook live campaigning. So that was a strange situation that happened. Right. Two words. Tone deaf. First of all, you can point fingers. Point them at the damn Nazis. Right? Point them at the domestic terrorists. Point them at the people who are terrorizing our religious institutions and being anti-Semites. Actually, you know, it's a time for us to come together as communities, but we can point a finger, and it's to say, get these people out of our society as quickly as possible and put them away. So do not eat a pastrami sandwich um, and respond quickly. Sometimes things don't need to be responded to quickly, right? Sometimes we need to sit and reflect uh, about just how horrific this is, right? I mean, for me, I had a little bit of PTSD because it brought me back to South Carolina and Dylan Roof. And here we are yet again, another religious institution. When I looked at the ages of people worshiping in their sanctuary, it broke my heart to think that, you know, on the one hand, you've got South Carolina, you've got an 86-year-old woman who's survived Jim Crow South and segregation only to be gunned down by a white supremacist in her church. And then fast forward four years, you've got several individuals who had escaped some of the most unthinkable horrors, survived the Holocaust, only to be gunned down by a Nazi domestic terrorist, anti-Semite, in their sanctuary. So what are we doing as a nation? Why is it that we're so bellicose? Why is it that everyone else around the world can seem to solve these problems and somehow we as a democracy can't? And uh, shout out to Mayor Bill de Blasio for imploring NYU to put the kibosh on Milo Yiannopoulos speaking 
this week. So the famed anti-PC professor Michael Rechtenwald, I think I'm getting that right, you know, as sort of a, <clears throat> a call to freedom of speech or whatnot, had booked Milo to come and speak, and he wasn't going to invite the public. I think it was going to be something like he was going to stream it on social media, and it was this big call to freedom of speech and, uh, you know, bully for you. And then, essentially, de Blasio puts out uh, a statement, um, and I'm going to paraphrase. De Blasio says, come on, guys. It's the fucking Halloween parade. We just have a week of, like, hardcore violence. Can we please... Can we please just not try to incite more bullshit so that we don't have some sort of horrible thing happen in New York? Now, he doesn't say it outright, but I'm going to. Come on. Like, real lives are at stake at this point. So every time you tweet hyperbole that you could claim plausible deniability on, at this point, it's going to equal lives. So, I mean... You know, here I am, the producer of FAQ NYC, and for what it's worth, that's my two cents. Thank you, Bill de Blasio, for kind of putting the kibosh on that this week when we have a million gajillion children in the street. Agreed. Thank you, Mayor de Blasio. I mean, this is like, this is the time, this is what leadership looks like. Shut it down, right? You know, the mayor does respect free speech to a certain extent, <laughs> even though he needs to work on his relationship with journalists. But, you know, in this capacity, I think you're totally right. We are just coming off of a real series of tragedies. Um, and tensions are high, especially with pipe bombs. And so why would you support someone who's literally just coming here to throw gasoline around and hope that someone lights a match? So shout out to Bill de Blasio. We appreciate you. We have some exciting news. FAQ NYC, the New Yorkist podcast, is moving to the NYU McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research. We're really excited about this new partnership with NYU's McSilver Institute, and we look forward to bringing you more stories closely related to the work that they do on inequality, politics, and policy. Thanks for listening. FAQ NYC operates off a grant from Civil Media, the company trying to reinvent the business of journalism via blockchain. We thought here at FAQ that maybe we should start crediting people. First person and foremost is Adam Kamara, who, without his sound engineering and mastering and mixing of this podcast, it would sound like the first few episodes in which I, Alex Brooklyn, leveled it. And uh, it sounded pretty crazy back in those days. We also want to credit Tomoko Shimizu, who played the piano for us today and learned like a gajillion commercial jingles on the fly. We would like to say a special thanks to her baby, Coco, and Sarah Shears, who's Harry Siegel's wife, and my cousin, who came over to hang out and hold the baby. Bye. Happy Halloween, even though you're listening to it tomorrow, which is the day after Halloween, but still happy Halloween. <laughs> Candy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Boom. All right. Boom. Get to this meeting. Cut. <laughs> <laughs>